scores. The next stop is Highbury Squad. Good evening, uh, good afternoon, good morning, no matter where in the world you might be. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. The Highbury Squad returns. Uh, we hope you are all well, safe, happy and healthy. Um, I am back home and uh, Super Kev is back as well. Joining me, my podcast brother from another mother. Yep, we're back, Kev. Squaddies! At ease, let's get into it. We've got a good guest on today. That is. Yeah, I'm I'm not even doing the wait and bring him in because if you don't know who this is, then you're living under a rock, Arsenal fans. Um, Tom Canton from the Guna Talk TV. Welcome to the Highbury Squad. Thanks so much for joining us, Tom. Pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Uh, so I came back from Blighty with a 101.4 fever. Uh, I'm still sweating like swine, and it just so happens to be one of the hottest days in California today. It's like 100 right now. So if you see me sweltering and disappearing, don't worry about it. You have a host and a co-host here that can totally take over the show, no problem. Um, what a strange last couple of days it has been. Um, good evening to all the squaddies in the house, all the usual suspects. Thanks so much for joining us. I'll get your comments up here in a little bit. Um, as someone who grew up in England, born and bred North Londoner, um, I grew up in a household where, you know, um, we appreciated the royal family. And if you do not, I completely respect that. We don't have to agree on any of this kind of stuff. You are more than welcome to your opinion, as long as it's not abusive. And if it is then there's no place for you here in the conversation today as a woman i totally respected the queen she came into a world in 1947 that was completely dominated by men she had to fight for equality in her own bedroom with her husband who refused to accept that he had to adhere to you know the role of what it meant to be in the monarchy um, she did the same job, Kev, for 70 years, which is unheard of. And along the way, she made many mistakes, but also, I think, copped to the mistakes and tried to evolve and change to that. Some people may not understand. Obviously, all three of us grew up born and bred in England. And I know that it might be difficult for others around the world to understand, but I'm also seeing a lot of people from around the world who understand maybe what the loss means to the country. Um, where do we start? Kev, I'm going to start with you. I'm not sure if you ever met the Queen um, in your... I know you met Nelson Mandela and many yeah, other... I've met the Queen. I have okay. met the Queen. Um, I think growing up, that was a uniqueness to us being in England, us being English, was we had a royal family. And we had a queen, and it it made a difference. I've got to I've got to be honest with you. It made a difference growing up, having a queen and being being a, a, a country. We're only an island, but you know we are a powerful island, and um, the queen's at the head of it. I've only ever known England having a queen, so 
The fact of the matter is, you know, she gets announced. Uh, she passed away, 96 years old. She has, she's had a, lived many, many, uh, you know, many years. Great innings. And, you know, you, you listen, everybody can have their opinion, but, you know, she, she, she served this country well. She was an amazing woman. She was, she was, she was good for the country. And, you know, it's a, it's a sad time. It really is a sad time for the country um, to lose the monarch. It's, you know, it's really sad. And not only is she a mother, she's a grandmother. And maybe even a great grandmother to, you know, somewhere along the line, or great auntie or whatever. Yeah, she's so, a great grandmother too, yeah. Yeah, you know, so again, you know, you just, you, you don't wish bad on anybody. To be honest, do we? We don't wish bad on anybody, and uh, you know, condolences to to a family and the country. To be honest, because a lot of people feel um, the loss. And Tom, you're a little bit younger than Kev and I, and I just wondered, just doing a Paquito, yeah, I'm not going to go that far. Um, <laughs> what what does this mean to you? And how are you digesting this whole thing before we kind of get stuck into a little bit more of what it means for the beautiful game that we love? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is different for me because I'm younger and I think it will be different for people younger than me as well because they've not had that, you know, same kind of length of, of time. Um, and everyone has different experiences with that. You know, yesterday I was covering the Arsenal the game for Football London and, so obviously that was all going on in the background whilst the news was being announced. It was kind of, and obviously Kev, you were covering it for BT yeah. Sport, and I was watching you at the time as well at halftime, and it was it was it was very strange um, moment, and it was really unorthodox to see a minute silence just before the second half starts. So you know, it was it was a really odd kind of time. I think odds a fair word. It felt strange. It felt odd. Um, and yeah, from my perspective, you know, I've not, I, I'm not educated enough i don't think personally to know of all kind of the, the the stuff the people that aren't either mourning her death and i know there are a lot of people out there that aren't mourning her death because they have their reasons and you know i i, I can only respect people's opinions because i'm not educated enough to to get into any kind of debate you know about that um but f you know for me i know from my especially from kind of my granddad's generation there's a huge attachment um and you know my granddad's 98 um and so obviously he's got that throughout the entirety of his lifespan you know um uh, the queen's been around and i think that it will be intriguing kind of where things change now and what will change if things change uh, I, I never met the queen i've met the now king when i was very young um in my local area but yeah it's 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 just i find it strange i don't know if that's the right way to describe it i just find it strange because it's not like a family member you know, it's it's different. It's someone that, you know, has been there and in the background of English life and, and British life for for my entire lifetime and most other people's entire lifetime. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it, I find it's a really strange moment, I think, for me. Mm. I'm just finding it very strange. Yeah. I don't really know how to digest it in, in some ways. I, I think there are a lot of people that feel the same way. And, you know, for for me, I'm fascinated by her just being kind of a career woman who did a job and was born into something that she, we're all born into a life that we don't choose, right? What we choose to do with that life is completely down to us. Um, 
I mean, she met 13 of 14 U.S. presidents. She saw and uh, accepted the government of 15 prime ministers. Uh, she met global leaders from around the world, traveled to over 110 countries. Um, and like I said, made many mistakes along the way, but also became a part of our lives. And I know this may sound weird from just like buying the paper and back in the day, putting a pound down or, you know, buying a pint for like, you know, 50p or getting your bus pass or whatever it was, you know, she was a constant. And I think in a time where there was turmoil, she was definitely somebody who was part of what gave England a little bit of hope. I think her darkest time was, of course, the disaster in Wales with um, what happened with the the loss of all the children that she stood by, stood up to and said that she made a grave mistake. Same thing with Princess Diana um, and has had to learn along the way. As a Generation Xer, sometimes I feel like, wow, you know, I, I lived through the 90s and started my career and then had to adapt to technology and change and all these things. And I think to myself, there was no TV when she started. She Think of all the different decades she went to and had to adapt and adapt in an institution that really didn't want change and couldn't infuse change. So with all those kind of components, I always respected the fact that like with a lot of presidents and prime ministers, you don't have complete control over everything. Um, but at the same time, you do have the power to affect change. So I want to move and shift gears um, because there's no football this weekend, Kev. And I think there are a lot of fans that are feeling empty about that because there are other sports that are going on. And Tom is on. He wrote a great article for Football London, which Vinny is very excited about. <laughs> Aren't you guys glad that Vinny's Loves back, the by the way? <laughs> Loves the article. Uh, and I thought it was a great opinion piece because it's very balanced in that Tom's talking about how he understands the perspective of, of one area. But really, with all the other sports going on, Kev, it seems very weird that there's the Premier League have decided not to go ahead. What's your take on that? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm a bit disappointed, to be honest, um, that football really is the only main sport that's not participating over the weekend. I, I know it's the biggest sport of the country. I, I understand that, but... I don't, I don't think a lot of the fan bases for all these different clubs up and down the country, even that down to grassroots, will really get an opportunity to celebrate the Queen's life like they would at a football game. I, I honestly believe that. I think everyone's being together. Obviously, I could have a minute silence. People could sing the, the national anthem, God Save the Queen, and all this, this stuff. But together as a, as, as a group, I honestly don't think the whole country could come together like it would through football and mourn and celebrate, you know, our monarch, the passing of our monarch, Queen, Queen mm. Elizabeth. So, again, it, for me, it's a strange one. Tom mentioned it, it's strange. It is a strange one. How is really only the Premier League who have stopped? And... Um, you know, it's it's a difficult one for me to take because I was, you know, you know when you have your, your your weekend planned out. Obviously, I worked last night. Was working tonight. 
I was working tomorrow, I was working Sunday, you know, to cover all the games. And, you know, you, you, you start to put down your, your, your different pieces per day because mm -hmm. every day you're going to have to touch on it. And then you find out that, you know, the rug gets pulled on you. Um, but let's, let's be honest, it, it, this is something that doesn't happen a lot. We know there's going to be 10 days of mourning. Um, but if football stops, everything, all the other sports should stop. That's for sure. Tom, if you can just shed light on your article, and also there are a lot of fans mm. that feel like they have been the opportunity to actually pay homage to the Queen in their way. I think it would have been incredible with mm. fans singing the anthem from the terraces. I think it would have been very patriotic in a celebratory way, um, not in a negative way. Um, talk me through what compelled you to write your piece and and what the reaction to that has been as well. Yeah, uh, I've left a link to it in your chat box as well, just if, Lovely. if people do want to check it out. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I read a piece, first of all, by Andy Dunn from The Mirror, um, who wrote mm. a piece today about kind of why he felt it was the wrong decision um, to to postpone the fixtures. And I and there was a point within that piece that kind of first inspired me to to write my own. And it specifically was around the idea that he was honest in the fact he didn't think he would be mourning the Queen this weekend. Just from his own personal perspective, he felt he wouldn't be mourning the Queen for whatever his decision is on that. And everyone's entitled to do as as, as they want regarding it. Um, but he pointed out that despite that, had he have been at a football game this weekend, the opportunity would have been given to him to observe a moment's silence and to pay yeah. tribute to the Queen by going to a game and doing that collectively with you know, the tens of thousands of people that would have been in the stadium with him. And, you know, if anything, that kind of um, unity um, and show of respect and a moment to pay tribute so soon after what has happened is, is in, in essence, I think, a much more powerful and um, respectable thing than cancelling what brings joy to so many people. And I think it's that that combination is what initially inspired me to write what I wrote. I think I, you know, I picked up on the fact that the rugby union's um statement that they read out, and I'll read it to you now, they said uh rugby union will go ahead this weekend as teams and supporters come together to honor Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, to be united in our grief as we express sorrow at her passing. Rugby at its heart is about community and bringing people together in good times and in sad. And you know, that you couldn't write a more perfect statement, really. Um it is, and sport and football in particular has always been about bringing people together. It, it when the more I thought about it, the more frustrated I got. I think because there are going to be people that live alone and that are alone, um, mm. and football is and going to games is the most connected they get to their friends, potentially other family members, to just be in. Even if you don't know anyone, you go to the games on your own. Being in and around other other people in that sense of community brings that to, to people. And because they've cancelled the games this weekend, there are going to be people that are going to be spending this weekend alone over this, what is, I know, especially as I mentioned earlier, for probably people similar to the age of my granddad's, you know, in, in their 90s, 80s, 90s, um, that are very, very connected to what's going on. And, and I think that's sad. I think that's really sad that people are going to be alone. I think there are people that obviously, from a financial perspective, have, have made plans that, uh, 
they either might have work that's now been cancelled. They might have made travel arrangements. They might have had hotel arrangements. Someone messaged me when I did my morning show this morning just after I finished because they, I think they were not oblivious, but kind of unaware as to what was going on Premier League-wise. And I think they were coming from Australia and they said, you know, they've got tickets. What's going to happen? And I'm like, I'm really sorry. Firstly, I, obviously, I can't tell you for sure what's going to happen. But it does seem to be that they will cancel the fixtures and this was going to be their first Premier League game, you know, and and they will miss out on that. I talked in the piece about kind of the revenue that football brings to local businesses and the community. Arsenal in particular have done loads of work in the community recently after the pandemic's impacts mm -hmm. and businesses, especially during the co uh, cost of living crisis that we're experiencing here in the UK, it, it's going to damage things. And yes, we might say that the games are going to get played at some point in the future, but at this moment in particular, it's really tough here in the UK right now for a lot of people. And so losing that extra revenue to local businesses all around the country is going to is going to harm, you know, people's income that they were expecting to get. I, I think that a minute silence, black armbands, you know, whilst these are gestures, in the same way that, you know, observing uh, a period of mourning where you don't play sport in itself is still a gesture. I think that if anything, what you can do to maximize people's observing of a period of silence together would have been the much better way to go about it. Um, but I do have sympathy in the sense that whatever they chose to do, there was always going to be criticism either way. So there is that balance to this, that it was a lose-lose situation for them. I just still think they chose the worst of the two options. Uh, both of you, the, you know, some people are writing in chat and I've seen a lot of folks on social media talk about the policing part of it because you've got so much going on around the country that perhaps there's a policing issue um, if all games would take place. Um, I don't know what the policing situation is in England. I do know that there has been a, a diminished force maybe over the last couple of years, which makes it a little bit tougher. Um Kev, I, you know, safety always comes first. There's not going to be as much policing required at the rugby and the cricket and the horse racing. And but so, um, so yeah, that's not. This not true. It's not true. The game got cancelled today. Games were being played tomorrow. If there was a policing issue, the games couldn't have gone ahead anyway. So it's definitely not a policing issue. Definitely so there's no not. there's no way there's games next weekend, is there, Tom? I don't know what no, the guys no, over at Football so. London uh, are saying in terms of, I mean, if you, if the funeral is going to be mm. next week, then then there's going to be no Premier League games. Although there's talk, I saw Simon uh, Collins write yeah. that perhaps the Europa League game would go ahead. Yeah, on Thursday. The police have said there's no issue with that. Well, let me let me tell you this. Well, obviously, in studio last night, obviously, we were discussing games and we're told that the Europa League fixtures will go ahead. But the Premier League won't. The, the, just on the policing thing as well, like... I, I, I'm, it just might be me, me being oblivious to something. Is there anything happening this weekend that requires the police attendance? Is that, is that, I, I'm unaware. So maybe people in the chat box can educate me, but I'm not aware of anything that's... In in terms of in in London, um, 
there's no because there was the service today um obviously there's a lot of people at windsor and mm. you know balmoral doesn't really affect the premier that's, league yeah that's scotland yeah um and so i think the answer to your question is not really yeah well i get it next weekend you know it's the funeral weekend i think that's, yeah, yeah. that's absolutely fair you've got a reason to postpone fixtures at that point i think especially from a policing standpoint so it's just this this weekend in particular you know, it just, I just can't wrap my head around really why that was the optimum, especially when, you know, so many, as, as Kev pointed out, other sporting events are going ahead. It's just baffles yeah. me. Uh, uh, Gamer, I think this is a great, uh, bring in the military. I mean, this is why we have uh, a reserve as well and uh, a military. And I agree with Mark. The reason why today's show is keep calm and carry on. I think the original statement, I don't know if it came from Mountbatten, but there was definitely... A, a speech that the Queen did post-World War and basically what people took from that was she was saying keep calm and carry on and she was someone that always felt that whether things were going well or bad as a nation we should just keep going and like Don says she loved sports and I'm sure that somewhere up there, she's probably really stoked the horse racing is going through, going, going on. She was a genius um, in terms of understanding and knowing the sport uh, of of, of uh, horse racing and breeding, etc. And I think the toughest part is for fans. It's like why? <laughs> it's like Balotelli. Why always me? <laughs> why is why is football always the one to to pay the price? This is because the... it's, it's the standard bearer. It's the national sport. It's the standard bearer. It carries the most weight, Soph, at the end of the day. And the Premier League is viewed around the world like no, no, like no other league. Mm. It really is like no other league. The coverage of it, you know, the, the, the supporter, the fan base, everything is, is zeroed in on the Premier League. And, you know, for it not to happen this weekend... And probably next weekend. So, you know, you lose probably two match days. It's tough. Um, and Tom, Vic, I, there's so many questions in the chat about Thursday going ahead and not mm. this weekend. And it's difficult for fans. I know we've just kind of like tapped into it, but it's a tough one again for fans to appeal to swallow because if the games on Thursday can go ahead, then why can't the weekend games go ahead and like you said especially seeing as fans you know they might they're probably everton fans that had already made their travels you know arrangements and, and everything arrangements yeah. and yep. paid for hotels mm -hmm. and now are out of pocket and now there's going to be a, a a fixture issue and you've got the world cup sandwiched in the middle of all of this mm. i mean i'm not trying to be cold and as you know i said at the top of the show for me this is a a monumental moment for my country it really is. And maybe if you're of a certain generation, it feels that way. But it it is. There's massive change in England. Within two days, there's a new monarch and a new prime minister in a time of turmoil where people are desperately trying to make ends meet. You know, the winter is coming and it's not an easy time. Same thing here in the US and around the world. It's not an easy time in a post-COVID era. And sports has always been able to connect and bring people together. 
And even during the war, you know, in the US, women took up baseball. And I, I do believe during, you know, during the war, sports continued. I think the Olympics, Tom, you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, history has shown that sports really mm-hmm. helps keep people together. And mentally, I think it's hard enough as it is to take away the national pastime seems a little harsh. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, the, the, yeah, as you say, like it, you say, it might seem cold talking about it, but the argument is that it's it's colder to remove, you know, what is such a warm um, sense of community when sport brings so many people together. To remove that um, from the weekend is is a real shame. Um, it's it's a shame that we have that we are in a position now where we're kind of given this position to to, to discuss it. You know, there's an argument that the government should have you know laid out uh, a blanket kind of this is what needs to happen because you know the statement that the guidance that comes from the government. I think FL published the, the statement in title, but yeah, I've got the quote here. It says there is no obligation to cancel or postpone events and sporting fixtures or close entertainment venues during the national period of mourning. Um, this is at the discretion of individual organisers. They then say, as a mark of respect, organisations might wish to consider cancelling or postponing events. You know, it, when you do, when you leave something like that, it's saying that you don't have to, but you probably should. You know, that's that's the way it comes across to me, from my opinion and my perspective. And, you know, the rugby union, the cricket, the, the horse racing, they've turned around, they've interpreted that and gone, you know what, if you're giving us the choice, we're going to make the executive decision to say, you know, we think our sport is um, unifying. We think it's an opportunity for fans to, in their own way, celebrate the life of the Queen and we're going to do it. Whereas the Premier League haven't done that. You know, they've, they've gone down whatever route, for whatever reason, they've decided um, to, to, to change that. And, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily cold, Soph, to be, you know, to be talking about it this way. I think, the, the arguably colder fact is that some fans will be alone this weekend and won't see people they would usually see and won't be able to honour the Queen as they would have done um, this weekend if the games were going ahead for, for two weeks in a row, not just one. So, yeah. And then, of course, we've got the international break. So there's going to be a period of time with without things. Our next game is, what, Spurs, probably, most likely. Um mm-hmm. Which is a whole other conversation, I know, but yeah, it's uh, we're, we're gonna sure. we're gonna we're gonna get onto that for mm. for sure, um, and you know, in terms of what it means for our club. Uh, just before we do, um, I just wanted to, you know, obviously show these images. <laughs> the only football club, the only team to ever be invited to tea to Buckingham Palace. I think the funniest story from that day. There were there's two. There's a Wenger when they hand her the um, the cannon and he jokes, <laughs> we're giving you this, but it's not to incite a war, which was absolutely hilarious uh, and very brave of Wenger to quip that. But the funniest part about the day was Abue, um, who was warned by Thierry Henry, Super Kev, to keep his mouth shut because he was the clown in the dressing room. <laughs> and he said, you know, he's like Emmanuel, you know, you got to behave. Like just, you know, don't say anything stupid basically. <laughs> and, and the minute he gets his moment with the queen, he's like, I'm tired of playing football. Can I be your babysitter for your corgis? <laughs> Sierra's like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Um, typical of him. But she was uh, apparently, according to Cesc Fabregas, an Arsenal fan. She was a gooner. She was a gooner, yeah. Yeah. That's the shout. And, Hmm. um, you know, listen, we know William's a Villa fan. 
Um, he is yeah. he's a Villa fan, but the Queen, you know, uh, obviously the 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 Royal Arsenal, isn't it? The Royal yeah. Arsenal. <laughs> and look, this is this is why you know this is her presenting the FA Cup. I believe to Wolves in 1949, they beat Leicester 3-1. This is her presenting the FA Cup to Blackpool in 1953. Uh, this is her presenting it to Nottingham Forest, Kev, wow. in 1959, where they beat Luton in the FA Cup. This is uh, Liverpool uh, in the 60s, actually 65, um, where they won 2-1. Um, not to bring this up, but this is the Queen presenting uh, <laughs> the uh, the FA Cup. I, actually, I think this is the wrong one. Where is it? This one. We lost 1-0 to Leeds um, in 1972. Um, and this was her presenting the FA Cup to Southampton, uh, who beat United 1-0. I think that was the last time Southampton ever won a trophy. Maybe someone can correct me on that. And of course, the most famous trophy she ever handed over, the World Cup to Sir Bobby Moore. Um, this one was a bit painful. You could see the grimace on her face. She totally didn't enjoy <laughs> handing the European Championship over to Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, but, you know, she and her family, and of course, William now is uh, the head of the FA. Uh, she's been around the block, Kev. And sports has been ingrained in her, which is why I think why so many fans would have loved to have paid homage uh, in their way. Yeah, it was um, sad that, again, it's sad it was taken away from from everyone, the fan base, the commentators, you know, the media, everybody who's involved with football. You know, what, what homage we could have paid to her. You know, she's a, as I said, she was a, a, a glorious leader, you know, not many people could say they've they've lived under a queen all these years, but we, you know, we, that that opportunity was taken away from myself. Sad. So, what Sad. does this mean for us, um, Tom? Uh, you know, we saw, and we'll get to last night's game a little bit because I would like both of your thoughts on last night's game. And it's not, you know, sacrilegious to talk about football and our mm. club, everyone. So don't fear that. Uh, we're going to be here for you during these next couple of weeks, just like we were in the lockdown series, um, our community. And I know Tom has a very similar, friendly, kind community of listeners. He broadcasts at eight and six and um, does his tour days. And I think it's important that, you know, we can all gather and have a conversation and everyone gets their voice heard. But Tom, what do you think, is there a positive to this in terms of injuries, Thomas Partey and Nenny? Um, people getting back to fitness, mm. kind of looking at this from, some may call it a selfish perspective, but I call it a realistic perspective. Is this now a good thing for us? Yeah, there are benefits. Um, there are um, positives that Arsenal will get from this postponement. Um, you mentioned one, Thomas Partey, of course, uh, he's, was in actually contention for the Everton game. In part, the club have been you know, happy with kind of his recovery. There was an argument that he could be involved. I think that would have been a huge risk, personally. I don't think I would have done it. I think the Lukonga was of a level that he's good enough to kind of play that game. You know, we saw him against Villa with a very, very good game. So, yeah, um, but now... 
likely that he either plays in the PSV game or that they give him a full rest and he returns for the infamous North London derby on the 1st of October. So that's that's the first one. The other one is Bakaya Saka gets a very much needed rest. Um, and I expect him probably to be called up for England um, and to play some part of those games. But he does need a rest. He was still played kind of reluctantly, I guess, against Zurich, with the game still pretty tight. Maybe to try and put it to bed, it didn't happen. But yeah, he's needed, I think, um, to be given the opportunity to play less minutes. And, and this will obviously bring that to him. There are some other players like Aaron Ramsdale, who suffered a little bit of a, an injury against Aston Villa, played through it and then played against Man United. So this extra time off will allow him any kind of extra recovery that's needed. I won't have to extra stress on that. The PSV game means that because we don't have Premier League action and it was our toughest fixture of the of the group, we don't have to worry about who we're going to rotate. We can go very strong in that game. We can play a Premier League side um, that would start usually at the weekend against Everton or, or Brentford. We can use that team against PSV and, and try to take a very strong result from that game. Whereas they aren't a side you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't underestimate them. They've got some very mm-hmm. good players, one that we've been linked to quite significantly in Cody Gakpo. So, you know, had we have played the way I think we played last night, I wouldn't have gone against PSV potentially getting something against Arsenal so yeah we'll be able to use a very strong team against PSV which is also potentially a benefit but uh yeah it's it's still weird knowing that the next Premier League game will probably be that that derby yeah crazy to think Kev that 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 will be um the next game you covered our game now that will be kind of you know until Thursday hopefully if that game goes uh, goes through um, with Karate Keown um, you were both on BT last night and a lot of the narrative towards the end of the transfer window from many Arsenal fans was that we kind of failed towards the end I thought that was a little unfair uh, I think when you sign two world-class players like Jesus and Zinchenko and by the way I'm stoked that the three Gabriels are not in the Brazil team um, because that means more rest for them. Doesn't mean they're not going to the World Cup. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think it's I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's indicative that they're not going to make the World Cup squad. Um, what was your take on last night's game, Kev? Uh, a lot of the the narrative, as I was saying, was we don't have squad depth. Um, we didn't get the attacking winger. Uh, Marquinhos delivers a marker, thought he looked fantastic for 19. Mm-hmm. Talk about a player that we rarely have had over the last few years. Looks like his thighs almost as big as yours were. Um, maybe not quite as big. He's strong. He was, he was direct. And it, I think you get a little glimpse in preseason, but it's not the competitive games really that you want to see. This was the first real chance. It was his debut. We really get to see him. And, and I thought he was I thought he was excellent. He put in a couple of crosses. The first one was the first chance for Xhaka. Xhaka's got to hit the target. He hits the target, he probably scores. But he's got that, he's got that jink where he shifts the ball on his left and whips it in. And Xhaka arrived in the box pretty late and he was right there. Quick, strong, and do you know what? Look at the ground he made up for mm. the It was a, mm. you know, Vieira set Eddie off and Eddie, Eddie was out of the traps, wasn't he? Sprinting down the line, had a look up and he could see, he could see Marquinhos flying. You know, got a little, got a little lucky with the deflection, but Marquinhos still had a lot to do and uh, on his weaker foot, puts it in the top corner. And do you know what I really love, Sophie, Tom? 
I love the emotion that he showed. Me too. You know, mm. And he was there and he was like in tears and, and, and stuff because it means so much. You know, a young lad coming from Brazil gets his chance and takes it. And that ball, I've got to say, that ball for Eddie Nketiah. Yes. I'm telling you now, there, there are not many players who can deliver a cross like that. Because if you watch the cross, the defender is in pole position. Mm. The delivery of the ball takes the defender completely out of the game and gives yeah. Eddie an opportunity. And do you know what? It was a really smart finish. Headed it right down at the feet of the keeper. Keeper couldn't adjust. So Marquinhos, star man yesterday, Sophie, star man. But do you know what? Seven changes. And if we're honest, we've seen Arsenal mess about a lot. One nil up, cruising. Weren't clinical enough. We had opportunities. We should have put them, put them to bed. Then what happens? You know, typical forwards challenge in the box. They get a penalty and it makes life a lot more difficult. But mm -hmm. do you know what, Sophie? We got over the line. That's the key. Get your points on the board. We take that. And, and you know, look at the other result. You expect PSV to, to, to capture three points. They don't. So the win is even better for us. So. Yeah, I think I think in these group games, especially in Europa League, Tom, that it's tough sometimes to play a certain way because mm -hmm. uh, no disrespect to Zurich, but the quality is not great. And I just think we're going to see a few more of these games in the group stages and maybe even in the knock in the early knockout rounds. Hopefully, touch wood, we get there, which I think we're all we all think that we will. So it makes it a little bit tougher. I think everyone is expecting every single game that we go out and play to be this razzle-dazzle football. Whereas Kevin and I have talked a lot on the show about, I'll take an ugly 1-0 win any day of the week. I would have taken a, an ugly 1-1 draw at Old Trafford. I would have loved hmm. to have walked away from that game with just one point. Um, touch on that a little bit. And then I know that you had mentioned previously... Uh, I think on your show when I was watching that Marquinhos was going to go out on loan and he impressed so much during mm. preseason that we kept him, which is, could it not be Tom that that's why we didn't go out and buy the attacking winger? Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll tackle that bit first. Um, the club have been mad impressed with him, like really genuine, not just like what he's done for the youth team, but how he trains, how he is with the senior players, how his integration's been, you know, he's. Um, I was at the training ground the other day um, on Thursday for the the open training on Wednesday. Sorry, ahead of the open training session, and he he came out with Jesus and Fabio Vieira um, and Gabriel Martinelli. You know, he was leading the pack with Jesus. You know, they were smiling, laughing, joking. He is integrated so well into that group, and you know. We sometimes it's sort of you remember when we had like the German click of players because we had mm -hmm. met Zachary and Podolsky and Ozil uh, all here as well. And sometimes people look on that as a bit of a negative because you start to get kind of groups forming. We saw it with like the French connection. I don't know if Kev, you've ever experienced where kind of you know clicks of players kind of grouped together at times, perhaps because of nationality or just because of previous clubs. Or no, uh, it was it was region. the lads who came through the ranks. Well, there you go. <laughs> big yeah. big lo load of us. Yeah. Uh, and and sometimes people look at that as as not always a positive thing because it can create divides. But at the same time, it, it, I think what Arteta has been able to cultivate is not only you get those kind of special groups which are really beneficial for player 
integration, especially for Fabio Vieira and Marquinhos in particular, who's joined this summer, and Jesus, of course, as well, who feels like he's been here forever, doesn't he? But, you know, he's uh, he's only been here for a, a few months. But that's really good for those players. But then what they do is, is in training, they pair them up with other players that they don't usually talk to. And that generates other relationships. And I think that Jesus has been given, obviously, this captaincy vice-captaincy role along with Granit Xhaka behind Erdegaard that's going to give him the opportunity to integrate with more players. So, yeah, but on Marquinhos, I think Kev was was spot on. The cross is gorgeous. Like, it's Martin Erdegaard-esque in terms of how good of a cross mm. that it is. And what I like about Marquinhos is that he's not overthinking things when he plays. He does, yeah. and Chris Davison, we were, did a show this morning on the Arsenal way, and Chris summed up perfectly by saying he does the simple things really well and despite, you know, you're 19 years of age, you come from a country that is stereotypically known for having all the fancy flicks and tricks and, you know, you pull out your box of tricks like Ronaldinho used to do and all of that. But no, he just, positioning was good, passing was good, crossing was great, really good finish with his weaker foot, you know, just did things well. And that's all you need to do as a 19-year-old. If you're overcomplicating things, if you're trying to take too many players or not hold on to the ball for too long, that I'm quite critical of Martinelli doing, by the way, sometimes. I think Martinelli can sometimes overthink his yeah. game and, and hold on to the ball for too long when he thinks he can do more than perhaps he should do. But Marquinhos came into the team and, yeah, you know, I thought he was great. And could he, as you ask, be that backup to Saka? realistically it's a big ask it's a really big ask but can he do any less than Nicolas Pepe was doing in the Europa League group stage two seasons ago I don't think so I think he'll be perfect for what we need him to be and who knows maybe he earns himself some more minutes off the bench in the Premier League there's no reason after what we've seen Martinelli do that Marquinhos can't do that either what was the first point you asked me another question the, the, as well. the, fir the first one was about um the squad and the fact that people worried about, you know, the, you know, our, our, the window and not having the depth, etc. But what I'll, I'll twist it a little bit because to both of you, because I think it's important that in these group stages that the Marquinhos's and the Vieiras and, you know, the Tierney's and all those players do play. This is the point of having a squad. And I, I, I want to get your take on Vieira as well and Kev too and what you and Martin thought about uh, thought about him um, yesterday. Uh, I just think that everyone expects us, what I was saying, Tom, is that we play razzle-dazzle football, but sometimes winning ugly is a good thing. And I don't mm. mind us winning ugly in the group stages. Uh, as many of the squaddies have said in the chat, it's about getting three points. Mm -hmm. um, I want your guys' take on... Fabio Vieira, who I thought started off really lively and then faded out a little bit. I think, again, he's going to need more games, Kev. You could see that he's got the quality. A lot of people concerned about him looking a bit too slight. But David Silva and Bernardo Silva are slight and they've just done quite well for themselves. And I kind of liken him to them a little bit. And what's, what was your take on Fabio Vieira before I move on to a couple of other players? It was his, his first start. And it's always going to be a tough one. And look, the opposition weren't great. So you know what the opposition going to do? They're going to make up for it with Grunt. And that's what they've done. And I thought Vieira, we saw flashes of some quality. You know, the one bit of quality really that he showed in the first half was him releasing Eddie down the left-hand side for the goal. Uh, Marquinhos obviously finished it off well. So that was good play. Showed some good touches. But again, it's 
they had a, they had a bit more grunt in midfield, and he's got that's what he's got to learn. He's playing for Arsenal now, you know the Arsenal. When the Arsenal turn up, you're going to get the best of everybody else. And he fell over a lot, didn't he, Kev? Yeah, yeah because <laughs> look, at the end of the day, Dolph, it's it's he's got to get he's got to get used to the physicality, because people know he can play. People know if you give him space and time, he's a good player. He's a good player. He will hurt you. So what? what what's the first thing they're going to do? Stop him playing. Get into him. Make sure he can't get his heads up. So, look, he's got a lot to learn, Soph. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got to build his body up, that's for sure. He definitely has because he's got to take the buffeting. But, you know, I thought he'd done okay. It was, a, it was an okay mm -hmm. um, start considering, you know, it's his, it's his first start. I think you feel the same way, don't you, Tom, about Fabio Vieira's mm. performance? Um, same thing as Kev. Yeah. Yeah. Kev yeah. Look, he's lightweight, isn't he? I mean, yeah, he needs to bulk up. Um, yeah. But he's he's so necessary. Like, if Erdogan got injured, I would have been, you know, scared out of my mind for our creativity because that position's so key. But you can clearly see he's got that about him so yeah uh, it's a relief to have him in the side that's yeah for sure. some players just need more time and another player that i think needs more time and maybe yesterday there were a couple of occasions where he did get heavily criticized but i also thought that gabrielle was a little bit of fault is matt turner a lot of fans tom really concerned about matt turner i've kind of stood up for him of course because i've seen him play in mls here i said on i think it was on maybe he'd been on judges Gianni judges show when we were on together that his distribution is actually better with his arms than his feet like his throwouts mm -hmm. um what are you worried uh there were a couple of dodgy moments yesterday there's no doubt about that but I I think he looks like he's a deer in headlights Kev talks about the badge being too heavy and I think he's mm. a nervous character going out there yeah um which sucks because, you know, I really wanted him to have a really strong debut um, because, you know, I, I, I've done the due diligence. You know, I've gone back and watched what he was doing for the Revs and, you know, he looked mm. really strong, looked commanding, looked, you know, like this is – it was comfortable. Um, but, yeah, he looks a little bit like he's playing for a team he supports and feeling the weight of that. And, you know, we talk about the benefits sometimes of having players that have the attachment to the club, but I suppose this is an example of a drawback of it as well, that, you know, if the pressure is extra because you have that own affinity for the team and you don't want to let down not only fans of the team you're playing for, but fans because you are a fan yourself, is that mentally having an impact? I did a piece this morning talking kind of about the the ruthlessness Arteta's already shown with that position. You know, we brought Runnison in in 2020. Six months later, Matt Ryan comes in on loan. You never see Runnison again. So it's it's not beyond all realms of possibility that if Turner does struggle in these first six months, that Arteta goes, nope, that was your chance. And the Europa League group stage and the Carabao Cup against Brighton, where he's going to get those chances, that's all you're going to get. And, you know, last season when Leno was available in the Carabao Cup semi-final against uh, Liverpool, who was in goal? Aaron Ramsdale. You know, mm -hmm. he will play. He's not like Wenger and previous coaches that would play Fabianski or Manone or, or whoever all the way through to the later stages of the tournament. You know, Fabianski played all the way through to that that 2013 cup final. 
that won't happen. You know, Arteta will play the best that is available. And at the same time, he will move on the players who he feels aren't good enough. He's, you know, in terms of the the goalkeeper position, I have a feeling that that's quite a weak area of in terms of kind of what they're looking for in the backup department. I know that Ramsdale has been great to an extent. He himself has still got things he needs to work on and most young keepers at his age do. But I do feel as though that the goalkeeping section in particular, especially for the number two, they haven't got right yet. You know, Runison, and I know it's still really early in turn, I'm not writing him off, but, you know, the early signs aren't wildly encouraging right now as they were for Ramsdale as soon as he came in. You know, you could tell he was commanding. So I hope that he's fine. I hope that he improves. I hope it is just a case of, you know, debut nerves and all of that. But he fl- he looked flappy. <laughs> flappy is the way in which he commanded his box was quite flappy. Uh, it looked like a player who didn't know, wasn't assured in his own decision making about when to when to or when not to go for certain things. But I do think Gabriel mugged him off a little bit with the back pass. I think it was a really yeah. bad pass back, to be fair. Kev, what what did you what were you and Martin seeing with that? And of course, you know Martin being a defender the relationship between the goalkeeper and the defence. These guys have hardly played together. They don't really have that understanding. Of course, they've been doing training and stuff like that. But New back do, you think, do you think it was harsh on some of the criticism on Turner? What was your take when you were watching the game last yeah, night? Look, look, I think people just are, are looking to zero in on Matt Turner anyway, I, I, if I'm honest with you. I think anybody you can see, Gabriel's back pass put him right in problems. Where he put it, where Matt Turner was, if you're going to put it, use your left foot and put it on his right foot so we can clear it first time. He stuck him right on the touch line, kind of away from him, so he's got to take a touch. There's a player coming in. It, it just, it's, it, it looked bad. It smelt bad. It felt bad. And if that's really your first engagement, you're going to start to feel the pressure after that because all of a sudden, ooh, you know, it's um, everybody's looking at you. So mm. I, I think Gabriel gave him a bad turn. I didn't think he had that bad a game. Yeah, he did look flappy at times because, look, at the end of the day, it's his, it's his first start. It's his first start for the Arsenal. This Again, that badge weighs heavy. So he's got to get used to it. He's got to get used to it. And I, I think he'll be all right. I'd like to think... Give it a few months, you know. He's, he's he's still new. He is still new. Just made his debut. I think he'll be he'll be better for it. Definitely be better for it. But he needs more help from Gabriel. I could tell you that much. Should we be worried about Gabriel, guys? He's not been great. Mm. I mean, he's a good player, but he's been off. Been off. He's he's he's. It's not the first time he's put his teammates in a little bit of jeopardy. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be fine, Tom, but mm. he's been off the boil, has he not? I think if, if because he played Thursday, if we were playing this weekend, it felt like Ben White and Saliba, Saliba. would have been mm. the pairing. It's actually something I really want to see, um, is those two in the middle, because the thing about Gabriel is that he's, He's actually a profile defender that we've lacked for a long time. You know, physically imposing, but not necessarily too slow. Uh, Left-footed, you know, strong still coming out from the back. And, you know, a presence in the box as well. Um, All of those things I think we've needed um, in in kind of that combination. But he is what I would describe as an expendable player for Arsenal for the future. 
you know, I, I talk about this a lot. You know, we want to be up there with the Man Cities and the Liverpools, more Man City these days. Um, but, so, you know, I think that there are players in that Man City team over the last five years, five to ten years, that maybe when they brought in, you were like, oh, they're going to be there for ten years. But actually, no, you know, title winning sides don't do that. They're ruthless with their squads. They move players on that aren't good enough. They spent £35 million on, I think it was Eloquin Mangala, something to that effect, let him go. I'm not saying that he's equivalent to Gabriel. I'm just saying, you know, there are players you're going to sign at a young age and they're going to move on. Juventus showed interest in Gabriel this summer, in January as well. I can absolutely see Gabriel being sold. And that's not something that we should be scared off no player is bigger than the club you know no player at all every player if you're a good enough side you should be able to replace look at how Liverpool replaced Coutinho look at how they replaced Suarez they won their Premier League title and Champions League title without those two players you know and that's where Arsenal need to be is if we move on Gabriel we need to be and Edu and Arteta and Richard Garlick and the recruitment team need need to have the peace of mind to have contingencies in place to be able to find the right person to replace them and not only that but also, if they think they can sign someone better, do it. You know, well, there's a lot of talk about Smith Rowe potentially being ousted from this squad and not getting the opportunities because Martinelli looks so good and Erdegaard looks so good and you can't really displace them right now. But I'm not worried. If, if for the benefit of Arsenal, we're moving towards that target of being toward the top again, if it means that a kid from Haylands that looked really promising doesn't make it, or if it means that a really exciting defender that we bought for a small fee that looks to be worth double or more than that is sold for that amount of money along the way, I don't care. And that sounds harsh, I know. But my priority is Arsenal winning and Arsenal getting to the top again. And I love to do it with the inclusion of Haylanders and I love to do it with smart recruitment. I love to do it playing great football. But ask anyone who's won a Champions League or a Premier League title, and the priority is the fact that you've won it. No, you know, not not the process necessarily that got you there. So, yeah, I think that Gabriel is an expendable player for the future and someone that we could upgrade on potentially or that could leave because someone buys him. But that doesn't scare me, to be honest. And I think that's a sign of a team going on the right direction, not one that's going backwards. Kev, do you remember a few weeks ago we were having the conversation of you know, uh, everyone's narrative was Saliba and Gabrielle and that Ben White would be the sacrificial lamb. But it was almost like, why doesn't Gabrielle have to earn his right to play at centre-back? And I'm not saying it's kind of gone to his, to his head because, of course, he's not part of these conversations that we all have on our YouTube channels, podcasts, and on social media, etc. But he's definitely involved in social media because he is very, he is very responsive to a lot of things um, that he sees on social. I, I think that that we we talked about that, Kev. That everyone automatically just thought it's going to be Gabrielle and and William. Yeah, but what we also said, Soph, is you know you've got to earn your position in the team. You know, if if that's what having a big squad does. That's what having a quality squad does. If you've got a quality Ben White there who's been playing out of position and playing pretty well out of position and Gabriel's not doing it, you've got the opportunity to, to adjust. You've got the opportunity to, to drop it. Gabriel and put, you know, you, you can put Ben White in there with Saliba. Or, listen, uh, uh, again, you can go to a free. You can, you can adjust the team depending on the on the opposition. So I don't think it's a given for any of the defenders, if I'm honest with you. 
It's good to see Tierney mm -hmm. and Tomiyasu get minutes last night. Very important. You know, Tierney came off. I think it's more precaution because you don't really want to whip him too much. Um, but again, it's not a matter of because Gabriel and Saliba started the season and we, we, we're top of the league that you don't change it. You can change it, that's for sure. I thought Tierney did well yesterday. I, th I, th mm -hmm. I, you know, one of the things that I think m most of us truly believe in is that we we need to have competition in every position. That's what will make the squad better, and that's what will make players better. And it felt to me, Tom, that Tierney was playing um, like he had a mission. You know, don't forget about me. I'm still here. And I still have something to offer. Now, I'm not saying that he's a better player than Zinchenko, but to see him play the way he did, um, I thought was really encouraging. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's possible for me to share. Can I share my screen with you? Because I was looking at something earlier with Tierney yeah. about his heat maps. Can I do that? I don't know if there's a possible. Uh, what, him in midfield, Tom? Him in midfield. Kind of the heat map. Of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I, do you, can you see that screen on yours? Yeah, add to stream. S there you go. So if you look at his heat map for the, uh, if we look at the Aston Villa game, can you see kind of how it's kind of really stuck to the left-hand side and the byline when he came into that game? Um, notice when I show you the heat map for the Zurich game, it's actually slightly further up and there's a lot more heat on the inside of the inside. field. Um, and he he's kind of learning this more inverted fullback role where mm -hmm. he has to come in towards the 16-yard the box. And I think that if he can kind of master that, he's not going to master it in the same way as Zinchenko because Zinchenko's been doing it for years under Pep Guardiola. But what he can do is if he's going to be able to offer more of that kind of, you know, um, style uh, to what Arteta's bringing, it's going to give us more consistency when we do rotate those players out. And at the moment, you know, when we swapped out Zinchenko for Tierney, I think the left side did suffer a bit. I think Xhaka suffered a little bit as well off the back of it because him and Zinchenko were pairing so well. But if Tierney can begin to adapt his game, which I think we saw against Zurich, I think he was one of the more outstanding performers on the night, then there's a good chance that if Zinchenko, for whatever reason, isn't available, you've got that player that can offer you more. And I think that that's what Tierney can be. So, yeah. Mm. It's it's really it is really interesting. I love it personally, Kev. Love to see that, you know. Um, and to kind of, I, I like that you. Thanks for sharing the heat map, um, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, say, I was just I was looking at it earlier on. So. <laughs> this show needs more Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely brilliant, um, Kev. Speaking of players, uh, I, and one more I want to touch on before, if you guys want to get in a few quick questions. Um, we got a few more minutes. We'll get them in real quick, and I'll I'll fire off fire some off to to Super Kevin Tom. I've just realised that we've been on air for fifty eight minutes, and I love this conversation. It's been absolutely brilliant. Many of you saying it should become a regular slot. Um, if we can steal these two fellas, busy fellas from their football schedule this season, we'll make it happen as much as we can. Jaka, okay, the guy is, uh, you know. Credit where it's due, Kev. I know that there was a time where you said you wanted him out of the club. Many fans wanted him out of the club. He made terrible decisions at big moments, never apologized, didn't handle things well. Wore the captain's armband last night. And what I really liked was that 
I didn't really see it as an issue on social media, which was really refreshing. Um, he's really having an, another great start to the season. and Or not great start to the season. I thought he was really good last season. And undoubtedly very important for us. What is your take on Xhaka? Well, well I think with Zinchenko being at the football club, we've seen another real dimension to Granit Xhaka's play higher up the pitch. We've seen him making moves. We've seen him scoring goals and making moves in the opposition box like never before. And you know what? There's one way to silence a, a, a fan base and get them on your side. is to play well. <laughs> you, you play well, you know, all the old beefs and grudges and, 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 and worries that you had before, people start saying, I've got to take my hat off to him. He's been having a very good season. He has had a very good season. And you know what? There was no way he weren't going to play yesterday, especially being in Switzerland. That's for sure. He wants to, he wants to be there, which is great. So, you know, credit where it's due, Sophie. Credit where it's due. Do we do we lack some bits and pieces? Yeah, most teams lack some things here and there, but you know, Granite Jacker has been a plus for us this season, like like many others. Um, but you know, do we need more in midfield? Probably, yeah, we do need more in midfield. But Granite Jacker has been doing really well in that middle of the pitch, ending up inside the opposition box. And like we, I said at the start, Marquinhos is crossed to Granite Jacker. That should have been one nil. First first chance. He should have scored that one. But, you know, maybe saving it for for Spurs. Tom, um, real quick, everyone's asking, Xhaka's a is Xhaka a machine? <laughs> and then I'm going to start with this from Amir. Is Xhaka the only player in the Premier League this season who actually played well after co a contract extension? Woof, that's a great question. Um, I haven't <laughs> thought about that. That's such a good question. Because um, obviously we've seen Salah as well this summer, you know, really dip after signing his contract extension at Liverpool. Mm -hmm. So is he the only one? I mean, I'm sure it's really ignorant. Tierney signed a new deal and was good. Martinelli signed a new deal and was good. Saka signed a new deal and was good. So no, he's not the only one. Um, I think we just think in our minds of Urza or Bamiyang, you know, and just get them locked <laughs> in. But there are, in fact, others that sign new deals and are quite good afterwards. But, you know, it's great. You know, I think, you know, Jacques is a divisive character. We know that. We've known that for a long time. I know it personally. I've been, as Mike alluded to in our live show the other day, Jacques has shot me down in, in a press conference. And it's not a nice feeling. <laughs> it's not a nice feeling at all. It's ruthless. Um, he is absolutely ruthless, but he is golden. And, you know, he's a really nice guy as well. Like, you know, I remember when the question I asked that, that he, he didn't want to answer, you know, I went up to him after the press conference and he was just like, yeah, don't worry about it. I just didn't want to talk about that. And that's fair. You know, he's just a nice guy. Um, but it's, it's a case of he clearly enjoys being at Arsenal. He clearly wants to be at Arsenal. He clearly loves playing for Arteta because he is, he has been working so hard to be what Arteta wants him to be. And I think a lot of the questions around Arteta, especially in his early time, was who actually has improved under Arteta? You know, which players is he actually getting more from? Well, Granit Xhaka is absolutely one of those players that we are seeing the best of his time at Arsenal under Arteta. And mm -hmm. this new role that he's playing, it's not only great for, uh, for Arsenal, Arteta and Xhaka, but there's always still going to be part of me that goes, well, I wonder if we had an even better player than Xhaka in that yeah. position. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that is also exciting to think about too.
Cool. Um, Kev, I've got a couple here that I can riff off. Would you swap Sambi out for party and then to only if he's hundred percent Kuna Rose. And then Neil's yeah. Uh Sambi's progressing quick enough is where he should be. Is he where he should be in his development? asks Neil. Um probably not. Probably not in his development because he, he, he probably needs more game time. You know, considering he's only played, what, three games this season? Really? And, he, he you know, if party's fit and then he's out the team, he's probably only really going to get starts in the Europa League at times. So, Sambi probably isn't where he was. And, and one of the revealing things, you remember in the... Uh, in, in, in the in the documentary where he was, he was kind of bleating about, you know, not playing and stuff. And, you know, mm -hmm. every, everybody else turned around and said, well, uh, uh, Eddie said, I'm not playing and you, I'm not <laughs> modest. So you shut up and don't, you know, that type of thing, obviously because he wants to play. He's a young man who wants to play. He's used to play and he wants to play, but is he where he, he should be in his development? Probably not because he needs more game time. I thought he, I think he's done pretty well in that midfield area, considering he doesn't play. I think he's, he's, he's more progressive than El Nenny. Mm. So, fingers crossed. I, I actually, barring a couple of mistakes, and of course one, I thought it was Zinchenko's fault more than Sambi's fault, the goal, I don't was it the third or second goal against United where Zinchenko kind of did the in in the in in backflip, and Sambi should have passed it a lot simpler. There's no doubt about that. But I actually thought he was neat in the Villa game, neat in the United game. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, Tim, why is someone someone's calling you Tim <laughs> in the chat? Tom, is that a joke? Is that a running joke? <laughs> You're muted. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah it's a it's a no oh, it's just a running joke a on my story. channel like it, it's not even a long story someone called me tim and for some reason it just bugged me on a show and i just because i bit to it obviously that means it just oh, stuck. They, they're gonna they're coming for you yeah oh, it's so funny um yeah, honestly, christopher's yeah. asking is tommy Yasu a starter in the next premier league match which would uh, potentially be against tottenham Spurs. and and actually you can answer these two um, because football sports sports talk is asking about what it looks like for the uh, Spursy match as well. So does mm. does Tommy start? What's your take on all that? No, I think White will start. Um, you know, White's been very good at right, right back for us. Um, I think he adds balance. I think his positioning is is perfect for what we want. Tommy Asu, you know, he's come on. He has. I don't think he's eclipsed what White's brought us when he's been given those opportunities. I didn't think his performance last night proved to me that he should be overtaking White's position at all. Um, and I think that if Zinchenko's fit, the balance of White and Zinchenko works really well. So they both should be fine and fit for not only PSV, but uh, for Spurs as well. So yeah, like, those two should absolutely be fine. Um, <laughs> actually, it's Tim Yasu just saw that. <laughs> that was very funny, Mark. Very um, funny. But yeah, um, he should be fine. Uh, both of them should be fine. And I would absolutely be going with... The, the best possible eleven. Partey back is a blessing. You know, we need him to be there. He is a level above Lukonga. I, I think Lukonga's faced a lot of unnecessary criticism. I think he was great against Villa. I really thought he had a, such... To come in for his first start of the season, 
you know, in, in a midweek game, I thought he was great. Really, really. Especially considering you've been knocked back by El Nenny going above you in the pecking order in the space of six months. I thought he was fantastic. Made mistakes against Man United, absolutely. But actually, if you take away those two mistakes, which is hard to do, outside of those two mistakes, I still thought he was good. So, you know, okay. I think that Yeah, he but gets you know what? Here's one thing I want to say about the mistakes he, he made against Man United. A, a bad pass doesn't put Manchester United in. Yes, other things have to happen, don't they? Other things have to happen. And if anybody ever watched BT Sport, Martin Keown broke it down. The Manchester United goal perfectly. All the goals he broke down yesterday. So if you get an opportunity, guys, and you could watch it on replay, watch the show on replay. Martin done an excellent job yesterday. You, can I, you know, with, um, with Sambi, Vieira was like that look. Don't shoot me. I'm not comparing him to Vieira. I'm just, he's the first player that came to my mind where I thought that sometimes, Vieira, <laughs> yeah, you know, he looked like he's never going to get there. He's so lazy on the, it, it this lazy, maybe it's style. a lackadaisical. Style, like a style mm-hmm. of how they care. Nonchalant, yeah. 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 And I think sometimes people think, because so many times people wrote when I was c- commending him, especially at the Villa game, People are like, oh, he's so slow. So if like, what's your, what are you seeing? And I'm like, I don't know what you're seeing, but it's, it's just the way he's playing. And it reminded me of Patrick a little bit, Kev, just that style of play. Yeah, I understand. Language. Yeah, well it's, done. It's, it's, language, it's a language style. Said. It is a language style. But again, you know, it's, everybody's not going to see what you see. I could tell you that much. Everybody isn't. Happens and, a lot, Kev. <laughs> no, but, you know, listen. A lot of people don't see what I see either. The, the fact of the matter is, Sambi has done a lot better than I thought he would. I could tell you that much in all mm-hmm. of these games. I thought, we don't, if, if Sambi has a nightmare against Manchester United, we don't dominate the game. But we dominate the game. Our problem was, we, 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 we weren't clinical at one end. And when they, when they turned the ball over, they played for us too easy. I mean, that is it. Three shots on three or four on target, and they scored three. Yeah, I mean, we just overplayed the ball. We had forty-seven touches in their penalty box. I mean, I mean that was it's, just over mayonnaising it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> when you said that on the live show, <laughs> the what is over mayonnaising? Like... <laughs> ruins a sandwich, Tom. Ruins a sandwich. You can um, say about and... any condiment, like. <laughs> He's over ketchup oh, it. Like, you're going to say something else there. Um, okay, you guys got a few more minutes to answer, just a few more, because the, the squaddies are on fire here. Kev. Um, How many likes, good? by the way? Uh, Chief like officer Tammy Steels is in the house. Tammy, we need your report, Let's find please. out about these likes. There's 420 mm-hmm. of you in live chat. If you are not at half, Kev's not going to answer any more questions. I guarantee that. God, can um, we bring Tom Canton on? And they, they, if they can't even get to half the likes... Come on. I think you give me too much credit. <laughs> no, but no Tom, we don't get you on a lot, mate. So when we do get you on, only 160 to come on, squaddies. Come on, get it to half. Seriously. Yeah. Come I mean, on. if you love Nevin, did you hit the like button if you love the show so much? Um, I don't know what why are you for thumbs down? What is your problem, Matthew? I don't get it. What have we done to offend you? You've made some Matthews bizarre, very angry tonight. <laughs> bizarre, bizarre comments. I'm not He's quite not sure what's happening. He's football on Sunday, has he? So maybe Just relax a little bit, okay? Hit the like button, take a chill pill, make a cup of tea. Taib will give you a cookie. 
um, a biscuit, sorry. Uh, okay, so let's do, okay, good. We're up to 182 now. Right, okay. Kev will answer this question because I think we're close to 200. MK's got one for you, Kev. Um, thoughts on where else he can play? He seems like he can be molded. No, 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 no. Let's just keep his 19. <laughs> Let's keep, let, I'm, I'm sure he can play either side. Obviously, he's a lefty. If he's, play, he's a lefty playing on the left, it's natural. But I like the fact that he can jink back for, away from a, a, a left-footed fullback and bend those crosses in. I like the look of that. And um, uh, I don't want to mould him anywhere else other than <laughs> playing where he looks comfortable. He looks comfortable wide. So we'll I mean, I don't, I don't want to say too much. Uh, I said on after the United game, Tom, on our show, that I feel like we could use a shooting coach. I love Saka, but he should frustrates me. <laughs> yeah, like put your laces through it, son. You know, yeah. sometimes it's a little bit too, you know, on the toe, in the inside of the foot. Just try and smash it mm -hmm. in the back of the net. Uh, you said Arteta's ruthless. And, of course, Saka is a star player. He's been our best player the last two seasons. But I love that he could and ha and looks like he has the energy and the passion to give it a go, you know, to push Saka and his in mm -hmm. his position. Not saying he's going to oust Saka, but how wonderful is it if Saka could be subbed like twenty minutes to go in games? This is yeah. this is a wonderful thing. It is, and you know, it it covers up what was, in my view, a bit of a mistake in the transfer window of not of not reinforcing in, in that position as we needed to. I think, especially a wide forward that could have given us cover in a in a striker position as well. Um, but yeah, if, if we get a bit lucky and Marquinhos develops quicker than we expected, because you know, initially, I think the plan was probably to send him on loan, you know, get him alone somewhere because they didn't think he was going to get the minutes. But because he's impressed so much. You know, I think that, that that's meant that they've decided to keep him. And we've now seen on, on the international European stage of Arsenal that he can you can do it, and that's great. So, yeah, if it means that Saka gets more of a rest and we've got another young, exciting talent coming through, brilliant. Um, you know, these signings are necessary. They're, you, know, the big, you look at what Chelsea did this summer. Yes, they spent a lot of money on some experienced players, but they also invested in the likes of Chukwameka um, and is it Casadilla from Inter Milan? Um They've invested in a lot of youth as well because that's part of, you know, building a squad. So we've got to do it too. And I think we're doing a good job with it, yeah. All right, cool. Um, here's one for you, Kev, from Kisa... How would you pronounce this? Kisaki? Kisaki? Kisaki, maybe. Kisaki, yeah. Kisaki, yeah. Uh, Tom's my go-to for pronounce <laughs> pronunciation. 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 Uh, to Kev... Um, we overpossess the ball in matches. It's good, um, but can't guys shoot? Hey, there we go. Get in shooting positions. Just pass. Shouldn't Arteta fix that area? We did it against United. We did it against Villa. We did it against Fulham, Kev. What, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are exactly what we've just discussed, to be honest. You know, the, the, that killer instinct. It, at, times, at times, it seems like we want to walk the ball in where really there's an opportunity to dig it. You've got to dig it. But the way we play, yeah, we, we do sometimes overplay because we, domi because we dominate the ball. Mikel mm. Arteta wants the team to dominate the ball. And, but do you know what? We, earlier on in the season, we were shooting. We were, the goals were going in. You know, pre-season, the goals were going in. And sometimes it's a, it's, 
it, it, it doesn't happen every week for us. But that's something we've got to get better at and we've got to, we've got to develop that in our game, that cutting edge, that ruthlessness. Because if you don't put teams away, you, you're going to drop points. That's for sure. I've never been more bumped. That was a long drive home from Manchester. Oh, really? mate. It was painful, wasn't Five it, Tom? Hours. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was that moment at like midnight and I still had an hour to go. And I was oh, like, I was flagging. And I had like the music on the full volume in the car. <laughs> I got the missus to ring me about 11 for an hour just to, you know, talk just to, to me while going. I was driving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I had like Foles on, who were a British band over here, just just singing as loud as I could, stay on, staying awake <laughs> while I'm driving we, back. Yeah, we had... Um the greatest goal celebration the first goal it was yeah. unbelievable I and it, it sucked yeah. the life out of us after that yeah the um, Arsenal fans were insane honestly watching because obviously I was in the press side yeah. watching out to you guys in the corner was oh it was mad it's so hard it not to celebrate you're not it's not that you're not allowed to celebrate but you're it's Instinct. kind of frowned upon yeah, yeah. so oh, when yeah, we scored can't. I was like oh, no. I was like no I can't God, I'm going to give it a shade. Like, it's really hard. It's really I was, I loved it. It was like old school, Kev, where you're hugging and kissing people you've never met before in your love life, um, which love is probably it. why I came home with a 101.4 fever. But it was worth <laughs> every single kiss and hug. Um, to both of you, this one, and we'll, we'll get everyone out on, on this one, um, unless someone comes out. There's a few others, but we've already been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. Um, what do you think? I know, Kev. Kev's laughing at me. We haven't been on air for a whole week. So, you know, I'm going into uh, the missus radio is out. I'm time. fine. I'm clear. Tom <laughs> tonight. Kev's work's been cancelled. So, you know oh, what? I'm dude. secretly taking advantage of both of you <laughs> while sweating like swine. Okay. Um, what do you think we'll do in January? Tom Canton. Oh, you know, the really sad thing is I don't think we're going to do anything. <laughs> I just don't think they like the win the January window at all. You know, I, I think we might do something if, say, that El Nenny doesn't come back as they think he will before that point. Um, but they're just not willing to spend unless they think they can get a genuinely top quality player. And the problem with the January window is it's very rare that those players are there. And I don't mind if Arsenal have this policy of only going out and buying quality. I mean, how can you complain about only signing quality? It's a good policy to have. However, you know, there is sometimes always a need to be a little bit savvy. You know, I was discussing with a few friends on deadline day that I thought Chelsea going out and buying Zacharia on loan for a season is quite smart. You know, yes, he's got his injury problems. Yes, he's not been the best at Juve, but he's not your responsibility after a season because you've loaned him and he gives you that cover. So maybe if there is the opportunity to maybe find a six-month loan deal, potentially. But as uh, Don Juan says uh, in the chat box, uh, Danilo, he's one to keep an, out, keep an eye out for. Um, the reason why Palmeiras really didn't want to let him go in the summer was because they, they're still in the Copa Libertadores. You know, they're going to be in the semi-final. That will be all done and dusted by the new year. And of course, they couldn't sign anyone because the Brazilian transfer window wasn't open. So they will be more open to that in January. And he would be a very good El Neni kind of level replacement. 21 has potential to be amazing, but obviously there's no guarantee of that, but definitely still at the level now that could replace adequately what El Neni already brings. And I think he's more attuned to playing slightly deeper as well. And let me just add to that, Tom. Mm. We might see a pre-contract with Tielemans. We can't do that, Kev, actually. 
because you're only no, no, teams. I, I know, I know. But yeah, yeah. If that's if if that's if we want him, if ever, yeah, yeah we Leicester can say to him. If, if ever Leicester, yeah. if ever Leicester are going to do the business, it's going to be January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's you the know, only chance they got. Yeah. yeah Would you sign him though, Kev? Because I really am not sold by him anymore. I'm really not that keen on him anymore. My cousin well, George you're, well, you're said exactly the now. same thing. No, but you're not going to be now. But it's all falling <laughs> apart at Leicester, isn't it? It's all falling. Yeah, but he's apart. not been good for a while. Like no, a... no, he is a good player. He's a he's oh, he a, is. Yeah. He's a top player who's in a bad situation. That that's the bottom line. Could could he could he help us? 100% because look with the players he's playing it with I think he 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 goes back to that level mm. I really do so yeah. I I understand the way he's, things are going at le- but do you know what if he was if he was playing out of his skin every week we somebody else would have probably signed him so <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's yeah. a hard one it is our um sedan has been missing for a long time, Kev. Sidan, <laughs> yeah. I've given up with Sidan. Uh, apologies, guys. I probably should have put someone in a timeout earlier. I didn't realise it's gotten really busy in here. So when you're managing um, the chat as well. Um, but we always have a, a kind community in our chat. So um, just lob me a note whenever you see anything happening that is a little unsavory. Anyone that calls me Tim, you can get rid of that. Yeah, get them out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's been a cracker. By the way, real quick, Tom, doesn't Danio have a massive release clause? I mean, Brazilian teams yeah. generally slap a big release clause on their players. Is what? How much is his? Do you know? Yeah, I'm frantically googling. I think that there was. There's been kind of mixed reports. There's one that says that it's only around thirty-five to forty million euros, and then there's others that say it's like ninety-five no, million yeah. euros. So I don't know yeah. if there's any kind of legit. It's kind of feeling. I've not been able to verify either way. And I tried to in, in the summer, but I couldn't get any kind of answer on it. So, yeah, we don't know. But I, I think I they'll let him go Tom, for around 2025. It, it, Sorry, Tom, it, no, I, I agree with you. It will be anywhere between 25, 35 and 95 to 100. But mm. one thing about Brazilian teams, they are keen to go. They will negotiate it. Because you know what, getting the money in the pocket is is a lot better than just having it on paper. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at you look at kind of the record sales of of players from Brazil. You know, it's it's there are some standout ones for when teams have gone a bit crazy, mm. but mainly, you know, you see what Shakhtar Donetsk in particular do with they sign like players um, Bernard and Fred and Douglas yeah. uh, Douglas Costa and players like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think twenty twenty five million pounds you know that's 30 35 million euros yeah. i think that would be fine for, for palmeiras i think they do business at that yeah. cool um i i'm gonna have to watch one of your player profile shows because i i'm gonna be honest i haven't seen him play a lot and i do not know that's too to much about him, him so i have to i have to Mudrick do I've done that. You can watch one on Mudrick. yeah i i've enjoyed seeing his highlights and I need to watch your show because you had a, a, a Ukrainian journalist on, didn't you? And... Andrew Todos, yeah. He's yeah. done, oh, on some of his, honestly, if you don't follow Zoya Londonsk, his coverage of not only Ukrainian football, but kind of the, the situation over in mm-hmm. Ukraine, it's been unreal. Like, Cool. Yeah. Um, Tom, can you link your article again in the chat um, for everyone if if you missed it? Yeah, and sure. uh, Footmoss, we, sp- we spoke about that at the top of the show, so you can just rewind it and and check it out before we go kev and tom real quick in a nutshell i wanted to get 
your uh, take on Tuchel's sacking. And if you were surprised, uh, Graham Potter, um, what are your thoughts on that real quick before we duck out? Do you want to go, Tom? First. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I'll go quick and then and then go through. Uh there was an obvious joke there. I'm not gonna make it. Um <laughs> <laughs> in terms of Tuchel, I think that it's unsurprising that that Todd Bowley's done that because a new owner coming in, I think, you know, when you take over and there's a manager that's already been put in place that wasn't your choice, there's kind of a sense of at the first opportunity that you can to make a decision, I'm not surprised that they have. In reality, uh, I, I am struggling with it from a footballing point of view because he's a good coach. You know, he's a very good coach. He won him a Champions League title and has kept him in the top four in the, in both seasons that he's done. I just think that I think they needed a director of football more than they've needed a new manager. They just need someone to come up with a legitimate strategy. And I think I saw a report, actually, I think it might have been Fab that tweeted out saying that they're looking for a director of football, which is probably the mm -hmm. smartest thing they've done all summer. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be a strategy behind their signings. They're, they're scattergun. And I'm not sure that I necessarily, you know, put that down to too cool why they've started this way. Yes, I think he's not perfect. And he does have short-term deals at clubs like Dortmund and PSG. And eventually it kind of does end a little bit strangely for him historically. But yeah, you know, I, I think it was maybe harsh, but you can see why they did it. Oli seems like that guy at the roulette table, Kev, you know, that comes in and he just puts the chips, boom, 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 doesn't stop. And you're like, when's he going to stop? Boom, 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 boom. Uh, what, what's your take on it, Kev? My, my take on it is there's obviously something going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Why Tuchel got the sack. There's a differing of opinion. I, I believe, and obviously Todd Bowley wants to do things his way because I believe he's sporting director as well, isn't he? At at the moment, and um, <laughs> he's a kid in the playground. He know, is, he's, he's, I mean, he's his money. He's sporting director, yeah. and he's talking to a manager who's a very successful manager, one of the top guys around. He's won the Champions League. They're still world champions. Super Cup, you know. As well. they're, 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 that's what I mean. They're, st they're still world champions. And it doesn't start well. And then all of a sudden, you know, because he's the, he's the owner as well, you don't see eye to eye with him. And, you know, Tuchel probably say, what do you know? You know, what do you know? And Todd Bowley just said, well, you're gone. And as for Graham Potter, I think Graham Potter's earned the right to take a big job now. But it's going to be really interesting to see how Graham Potter gets on at Chelsea. Because obviously doing it at Brighton and, and, and his previous clubs, etc. you know, there's been no big stars, really. You know, he's made stars, but there's been no big stars. Everybody's been mm. on the graph. He's got multi-millionaires in the dressing room. He's got big international players and players who are going to look at him and, and, you know, who are you? Players that can he, get you fired. Well, yeah, he's he's got to win them over, Solf. That's the bottom line. He's got to win them over. Now, will he be ruthless? You know, will he be that guy that is going to make that Chelsea dressing room sit up and take some notice and goes, hey, this guy's not messing around, or is he going to be a nice guy? Because if he's a Mr. Nice Guy, maybe it might not work for him. We'll see. Mm. That You know what? 
I love the most is that Obama Yang reunion lasted what 14 <laughs> hours. <laughs> Sorry, oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, that was gold, absolute gold. Couldn't have happened to a nicer. I know, and he's a very smart guy. He'll. Mm. He's it's an annoyingly the... sensible appointment, actually. Yeah, I don't like this at yeah, all. Yeah, but let me tell you something. Psychology, uh, as a as a as a as a as a science, is <laughs> over here. Football, believe me, is over here. <laughs> He's done pretty well with Brighton, though, Kev. Like, <laughs> no, 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 but no, but this is this. That's exactly what I'm saying, Tom. Mm. When you when you dealing with the big clubs is different to dealing with a Brighton. Yeah, you know what I mean. It is, and listen, he might go on and be a great manager. And they've been talking about him for England for a little while. He might go on and do well, but I'm not so sure what's going to happen at Chelsea. Mm. He's a good manager. He's a good coach. His teams play good football. He's got to win that dressing room. Mm. That's what he's I'm worried. I'm worried for Brighton, though. To be fair, because Potter was the best thing about that club. Yeah, so. and he took five of the staff with him. Mm, yeah. As well. Yeah, I hope I hope they get time. a good match. It reminds me like when Andre Villas-Boas went there after being a hot stud and failed really quickly. And then went know, Spurs. And then <laughs> went to Spurs. Oh, let's not talk about them. A little bit worried, but I'm not going to go there because it's been a wonderful show and everyone's loved it. And thank you, everyone. You've all stayed in the chat. No one's left. It's been brilliant. I'm we always like... love having Tom on. Uh, Chief Like Officer, please report the final numbers. It's kind of like a, an election at the end of every show, Tom. Stop um, the count. <laughs> Stop yeah, the count. Best of want to know the count now. While, we, while we're waiting for the count, um, let everyone know where they can find you just in case they're living under a rock. And of course, we always look forward to Newman's uh, ratings at the end of the yes! show. <laughs> and Kev's really happy when he gets a low rating from Newman. Oh, it means geez. the world to him. Who's Tim? Who's that guy? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Guna Russ says we've got 1,500 just because he wants us to keep going. But yeah. has Jenny made your tea yet? I hope you did get your tea out of all the likes that we got. Tom, let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at the Guna Talk uh, every week, every day, uh, every morning at eight AM, bright and early. Um, I know What's on the both... agenda for tomorrow? Tomorrow, I'm going to talk a little bit about Mudrick and his comments that he made. I didn't discuss them today because we did the mm. breakdown of the, of the game yesterday. But yeah, that's going to be interesting. Probably a little bit of the fallout to the impacts of Arsenal because of the postponements uh, and any other stuff that I research at half six, seven in the morning. <laughs> I'll have to get up and make the show. So anything <laughs> more that. And then, yeah, I've got a really busy week next week because I actually go on my honeymoon on Saturday next week, Saturday. Oh, are we allowed so, to ask where or no? Yeah, I'm Probably going up. to Mauritius. It's going to be Ooh. very nice. I've never done that before. Never done all inclusive before. So it's oh. going to be a new experience for me. <sighs> But I've got to pre-record loads of content because I'm away for like 12 days and I can't have it where there's no content. So I'm going to have yeah. to schedule content to go out at 8 a.m. still as much as I can. So, yeah. This postponement has maybe helped. With a little your... bit. A little bit. <laughs> but we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant stuff. Um, please go follow Tom. His content is brilliant. He's one of the best out there and Thanks, please read his articles on football london as well just doing brilliant stuff i have nothing else to say i'm going to hand it over to the big man the legend that is super kevin campbell to take us out all i can tell you is that we'll be back live on monday and during this time where there's no football 
I guarantee you the Highbury squad will resume its schedule and we'll be back with you every night to keep you company. We can all huggle and talk about anything and everything. Super Kev. Right. Thanks, Sophie, for, for putting us all together. Tom, thanks for coming and joining us. And you squaddies, thanks for joining us and giving us the likes. It's very important when you get Tom on, you give us some likes. But you know what, guys? Listen, rest in peace, Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty, obviously. Very tough time for us all. But you know what this always tells as well? It's come so sudden. Tell your loved ones you love them and make sure you take care of yourself and you look after each other. Squaddies, all the best to Tom on his honeymoon. And at ease, squaddies, at ease. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. <laughs>